Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love, linked in the show notes. I think that's also part of my job. That's what I aspire to as a consultant is to help my clients remember this is really about connection. Yes, this needs to make you money and you need to prove it. But let's also remember what's at the core of this connection. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised LA, and I created We Are LA Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of this show. Enjoy. Tech Podcast, spotlighting LA Tech companies and talent. So excited for our next guest coming at us from the Palisades. Welcome, Jenny. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. This has been a long time coming. It You've has had been this a long invitation time. open yes. to me. Yes. And I am so honored. Also, big fan of the podcast, regularly listen. So, this is this is great. It's happening. I've been wanting you on forever, and I just think you are such an empowering human. I cannot wait for all of our listeners to experience the magic that I get to experience with you on a regular basis. Let's get into the basics. Uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. I started my own consulting practice a little over two years ago. It's called Jenny Community Consulting Services. I'm in the business of community, and I freaking love. Yeah, you can say that. And I freaking love that this is my career path. So essentially, brands come to me when they're ready to create their very first digital customer community. Yeah. And as you know, there's a lot behind that. It sounds very fun and rosy on the outside, but there's a lot of specifics and details. Things to know, things to understand. Yeah. There's money involved. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I want to get into, one, the technicals, because I think that would be really useful. But also, the thing I think I want to hit on first is why community is important. And the reason, I mean, that sounds so basic, but it's not. Because community is usually the first thing that gets cut when companies are doing budget cuts. And it's also the thing that brings in the most revenue. So it's doesn't make any sense of why it's getting cut, but it's because it's not trackable in, I guess, a standard or PowerPoint presentation kind of way. And so let's talk about that and your theory behind it and how you think companies should be looking at it, especially during times of budget cuts. Like, why should they not be cutting community? Lots of reasons. But first, people have to realize community is a long play. It is not a quick fix to anything. It should not be set up super fast, and it is not a growth hack. It is – there's a lot that goes into a successful community. You don't see companies like Salesforce, Zendesk getting rid of their communities because they've been able to prove the revenue behind them. It's not always easy, and those companies also benefit from having large teams, people dedicated to that. 
when you've got a community team of one and it's on that one person to prove the ROI and do everything else that's associated with it, that can be challenging, especially if you've got some some unique use cases for your community. So yeah, community, it's tough because it could be on the chopping block, but I think when brands learn how to do it right, they do realize the value. And it's interesting because we're hearing a lot about these tech layoffs and how community folks are affected. It's not in the news or anything or being hyped about all the communities that are still around because yeah. there are a ton. Yeah. And you have a community of community builders here in L.A., Community Pros L.A. Tell us more about that. Yes. Community Pros of Los Angeles launched earlier this year. I'm very fortunate to have two amazing co-founders, Nicole Niss and Chris Catania, phenomenal community builders. And we wanted to provide a space where anyone who works in community management, either online or in person, but you do it as a profession, could come together and connect with one another and learn from others. And so that's what we started up. And it's been great. We've had a couple of different sessions. We structure them as long co-working days. However, people can come for the entire day or just pop in for lunch, pop in for happy hour, whatever suits them. We're trying to go around LA (laughs) to different parts because we know how hard it is to reach the masses in this city. And that's been really fun too, getting to meet people and see people in different areas of LA. And we're going to continue, continue doing it. And how often are they and how do we find them? We have a website and a Instagram account. But if you just put into Google Community Pros of LA, one of those or both will show up. Uh, Our events right now are every other month and we'll continue so through the rest of 2023. And not sure if we'll go to monthly just yet. I mean, my co-founders and I need to get together and do some planning for 2024. But we're meeting in October in a spot in downtown LA. And our last meetup of the year will be in December at a location that hasn't been announced yet. I'm excited. And I've been to a bunch. So I definitely think that all of y'all should go. And we've been doing our best to include them on the We Are LA Tech calendar too. So in case you're looking to find them, just go to wearelatech.com slash calendar and you could find it on there too as well. But definitely I recommend first do the Google thing, Community Pros LA. Let's establish your background. When did you get involved in community building on this company level? Mm. I took a role when I was living in Chicago in 2009 at CareerBuilder to be their very first social media and community manager. And that was the first time I had a business role like that. And there were facets of that job that I liked and didn't like. The social media side of it was cool, but quite overwhelming. And I thought, I can't I can't do this forever. But this community piece, this is really neat. This is cool. Uh, and I got to really hone in on my skills on that and focus on that as a niche when I joined Lithium Technologies in 2016, which later became Koros. And from there, I was strictly working on these types of communities, which some call owned communities, brand communities, peer-to-peer communities. Our nomenclature is still a little all over the place in this industry. But that's where I, again, got to hone in on those skills and really focus and expand my skills, working with some of the biggest brands in the world that were clients and still are clients of Koros, Samsung, Sephora, Intuit, Google, Airbnb. Uh, it, it was, yeah, it was such an honor, such a great time working there. And even when, out on, when I, I went out on my own, it was important to me that I stayed in, in touch and stayed uh, connected to Koros. And so I, I'm a referral partner of them. But, uh, you know, coming back to it, um, I still kind of pinch myself and can't believe that 
I get paid to help build communities? Like, that's for real? What? What's that mean to you? Like, why is that you light mm. up when you say that? And I and it's interesting. I think the term building community means something different to you because you work with these large companies than it means to me. Both mm. of us are community builders, but it means something entirely different because I'm on the indie level doing kumbaya events and you're you know doing things where you have to prove ROI to mm-hmm. it's a totally different type of community building so what does that term mean to you and, and why does it light you up because if you strip away all the business side of it it's about connection mm. and the reason these communities are having success is because their members are connecting in some way with other members or with the brand itself or with the product or with the service Connection is at the core. Connection is one of my two main life values, according to a little quiz I took from Brene Brown's book. (laughs) I think it was Dare to Lead. Connection and wholeheartedness. Those are my two values. And so no surprise that this is the field I'm in. Uh, But again, I had those moments of really, again, pinching myself and thinking, how grateful am I that I actually get to work in a field where I'm practicing and teaching others about these values yeah, uh, in the business context. And sometimes it gets lost in that because of the business context. Right. I think that's also part of my job. That's what I aspire to as a consultant is to help my clients remember this is really about connection. Yes, this needs to make you money and you need to prove it. But let's also remember what's at the core of this connection. Okay. That part. I mean, for me, I could totally do it because, again, I'm on the indie side. For you, I feel like you telling uh, an executive like the CEO or or CFO, it's about connection. They'll be like, and no. Like, how do you how do you say it in a business way where they really get it? I talk the business terms. I talk use cases. I talk goals. I talk success stories about other communities. Um, And I you have to frame it in that way. Or yes, I would not have clients and (laughs) I wouldn't be able to be doing this as a career path. So in my heart, I know it's about connection. And every now and then I do get clients who can see it at that level beyond the business side. But I I have to open and I have to introduce these things with the business cases to get my foot in the door and to get things moving along and to really help them see the benefit for the business. We have so many amazing women in tech listening around the world, not just Los Angeles, but all over the world. And some of them, you know, right now are trying to make decisions of what software to get for the companies they work uh, with. Other, Other women are thinking like, how do I I go off and build a community. I want to be a, bu- a community builder. I don't have a big network. Can I even do it? Let's first start on the company side. What are the initial steps that you can help all of our listeners take to um, make the right decisions in building a successful community for their company? I have a bit of a unique approach on this. Uh, and not to say mine is correct, it's just my take on it. And that is that I don't think you should even be thinking about softwares, especially if you're an enterprise brand, (laughs) until you have a strategic plan in place for Mm -hmm. what you envision for the first year of your community. I mean, would anyone go and build a house without creating a plan or blueprint? Mm -hmm. No. Or you can take a chance, right? (laughs) Who knows what you might end up with? Uh, It does surprise me how many brands might enter into these contracts with uh, some of the community platforms without their plan and already dedicating money, but you don't really understand what you're, you don't have a vision of what you're going to be doing over the next year or two years. And you're committing to this, this spot. So with my clients, it is always the order of 
there's like a research phase first, and then there is the strategic planning process. And as we get towards the end of that, that is when I have a good idea of what they are envisioning. Right. And then I can recommend the platforms I think that they should start demoing. That's the that's the process I take. I think you and I have this a lot in common where the biggest question I get is, Esprit, I'm looking to build a community, which which platform should I use? And I'm like, none. Like, it, the platform doesn't build your community. You do. So what are you going to mm. do to build your community? Yes. It's the biggest, like, illusion because the platform companies market it as though they build the community for you. You literally think in purchasing that subscription to the software that instantaneously your community is going to be thrive and be engaged and all. And I'm like, good luck with that. <laughs> Back when I was a consultant with Koros, the most successful launches that I was part of on on the Koros platform were the ones where the client had already taken time to do that planning. Yeah. And then they selected the software and then they came into the launch project yeah. and they already knew. And if they hadn't taken that time, it was still my responsibility to sit with them and help them yeah. create this strategic plan. But now you're cramp for time, you know, uh, because now it's like, wait, we're in, you got to launch by this date, but we also got to create a strategic plan. And those projects were more likely, not always, but they definitely were more likely to have missed deadlines, have to push off the launch date. And so I saw that the clients that came in with the planning already done, I just saw how much e more easily and smoothly those projects were running. Yeah. And that contributed to when I was creating my business and created my own processes the the way I wanted to run things. Yeah. One of the one of the questions that I always ask on whether I'm on a call with someone or giving a talk or whatever it be is what does success look like to you? Like what does success look like to you? And if somebody says follower count, I'm like, and what do you want to happen with that follower account? Like who are those followers? There's so there's so much depth. When did you start to become interested in community? When I was nine. <laughs> Seriously? That's when I created my first community. Stop. Okay. Yeah. Dying. Tell me. It was a little neighborhood group. There was a lot of kids that lived yeah. on my street. We yeah. would always come together and do different things, uh, ride bikes together. Yeah build bike ramps together, yeah. which were not safe now that I think back on those years, um, uh, do arts and crafts together, uh, go in the woods behind my house together and uh, climb trees yeah. together. And for some reason, yeah. I felt like we needed to formalize these gatherings of when we were all together. So I came up with a name. This is You're awesome, You're going to make me tell Jenny. you the name I know. Okay. Yeah. The Cool Kids Club. And so when <laughs> oh, we were to get part of the Cool Kids Club. You were an honorary member of the Cool Kids Club for <laughs> sure. so cool. Uh, and so anytime oh we were God. together, it was like, yeah, the Cool Kids Club. Or, hey, tomorrow for the Cool Kids Club, why don't we do this? And why don't we ride our bikes, you know, over here or whatever. Anyways, and everyone else just went along with it. So, sure, whatever. Yeah. It didn't change the dynamic of what we were already doing, right. playing together. But for some reason, I felt this need to, like, define our camaraderie, yeah. I guess. And, yeah, and my siblings made fun of me for it. My sister made so much fun of me. She's probably the only one who had comments about it, unless other people said things that I didn't yeah. know. Um, and now I, I say to her, I'm like, yeah, well, look, it launched my career. Like, <laughs> I've just... Ever since I've How always been in the Cool Kids Club last. Uh for as long as we were living in that neighborhood, which was about four more years, four or five more years. I did not expect that kind of answer <laughs> to come out. I like zero percent. Zero percent expected that kind of that's that's wild. When you 
come on this podcast and you genuinely light up, like really light up. I mean, this is stemming back. It's just crazy. Like this is your purpose in life, what you're meant to do. Yeah, absolutely. I know people can't see right now, but I'm, I know I'm yeah, grinning. Yeah, you're glowing. Yeah, I'm absolutely grinning. It's, it's so neat to look back and think like, oh, I was given that gift of getting kind of that first glimpse of what my career wow. path would be at that age with that. And even after that, uh, as I got into middle school and high school, I was a compulsive joiner. Sometimes yeah. I even think I still am. <laughs> I've just have become better at uh, setting my boundaries. Compulsive joiner. <laughs> yes. I and even, yes, even into college, yeah. I really thrived on being in group settings and being in clubs and yeah. the extrovert and in, in me just got my energy yeah. off of that. And so there was something to, in those years, being part of a lot of communities. Yeah. In high school, I started to take on leadership roles of those communities. Yeah. And that was really fun. I was like, this is amazing. This is ex- so exciting. And didn't even realize that this could be a career path. Kind of fell into it uh, when I started seeing social media being used for business purposes. Yeah. And then as a branch of that, seeing these dedicated communities yeah. being built for business purposes. Right. I'm so still like on that nine year. I'm so, now I'm like just deeply curious about what everything else that's going to come out of your mouth. What's a huge obstacle you've successfully overcome in your career community building and how did you overcome it? I'll talk about maybe one of the more recent ones yeah. in starting my own consulting practice. Yeah. There's a lot more emotions involved (laughs) than anyone gives you a heads up on. Oh, totally. So regulating my emotions and mental health around my business. (laughs) Like that. uh, How has no one ever said that? Yes. There in the first year, especially not that I'm that far in. I'm only about two and a half years. And so um, but in the first year, it was particularly difficult because as I'm getting things started and I'm fighting the imposter syndrome feelings, I would get in my head about things in such a way that I would pause moving forward on writing a certain Substack article or creating some uh, slide deck of some sort. And I would pause and I would sit there and I kind of literally twiddle my thumbs and turn in my chair and sit at my desk. And then next thing I knew, I would look at the time and hours had gone by while I'm sitting there debating should I really be working on this? Should yeah. I say, who am I to say this? And then yeah. I was realizing I'm literally losing time on my business, productivity time, yes. because I'm in my head oh. so much about things that aren't even real that I'm I'm putting totally. there. And so I had some days like that. And I remember when I got past them thinking, whoa, no one told me about that part of working for yourself. Yeah. And not to say I don't still have days like that, but I'm getting better at managing when those feelings start to come up. Therapy is gold. I recommend it for everyone. I'm in therapy. And yeah, uh, and if it wasn't for those therapy sessions, I might still be kind of wallowing in that. But in the in my sessions with my therapist, I got to the core of what that was, and it's not something I've solved or figured out. I think I've just improved on how I handle it, and I'm still working on you know addressing it and what why that happens for me. No one tells you those things. No. Right now I'm reading a, a book. Maybe you've even read it before, Obstacles the Way by Ryan Holiday. Yes. And I'm finding it really empowering how much perception and perspective has has power over how we see things, but we are in complete con- 
well, for the most part, complete control over perspective. So if we just alter our perspective, it changes everything. Yeah. I can completely relate to what you're saying. As you're building your business, like what is your dream for what you're building? Like where do you where do you see yourself in five years? No, I hate that shit. But like what is your dream? What are you working toward? And and please, I welcome you to answer however authentically non-traditional you want to answer that. My dream right now has been kind of basic, just to make a functioning business. Yeah. <laughs> make sure this is working and that I'm bringing satisfaction to my clients. Um, I'm not sure where I want to go with it yet, except that it feels really great right now. Yeah. I want to continue it. I want to do more to help the community industry. Yeah. I don't know what that looks like yet, but I know I want to do more than what I'm doing right now. Yeah. But if I can do anything to help further this industry and let people know also that this is an available career path to them, I'm very passionate about that. Yeah. And again, I don't know what steps I'm going to take towards actually furthering that. I also, in the future, I want to have a focus on communities and events associated with communities. I'm not sure what that is yet, whether it's going to be a program or a cohort or an offering. But I think that events that happen in communities can be spun up so fast that a lot of things are missed. Yeah, And so I think that taking a good look at the intentionality behind events and every detail of them totally is something that I would love to go through that process with people and help maybe open their eyes to all of the smallest details and how that could affect a wide array of people within totally. their events. We're talking inclusivity, uh, accessibility, um, even just the basics of communication. Mm -hmm. I really love Priya Parker's approach in her book, how she says- and The event, art of the gathering. Yes, yes. And it's something along the lines of that an event starts when the first piece of communication goes out. And I hadn't thought of it that way until I read her book. And now I take a lot more time mm. <laughs> when I'm reviewing that first piece of communication. I want to set the tone. I want to yeah. set the right expectations. And I'm getting my practice in on this yeah. with just like dinner parties that my partner and I throw. Yeah, yeah. And I am going to try to figure out a way to move it into my business. It's My business right now is not so focused on events, but it is an area that brings me a lot of joy to help create and help people with uh, mm. events. So I'd, I'd love to see a new level of like mindfulness and intentionality brought to community events. And we met at an event, plus you have your your meetup group, which I want to talk about. The event that we met at, that was like that was such a transformative experience in the years I didn't know that in the moment, but the years to came, you had such to come, you had such an influence and in all these other things that happened in my life. Um tell tell us a little bit about that event back then and um and then how you stemmed up community pros of LA. So we met at the unconference. Is that the event you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. It was a community pros um, unconference. It didn't even have like an official title. It was kind of this little underground gathering, right? I think there were 12 people who showed up yeah. and it was February of 2022. Uh, we were just starting to feel comfortable in here in LA about actually gathering again. And that was incredible. Uh, that was the first meetup of community folks here in LA that I had ever been to, organized by our friend, Danielle uh, Maviel. And 
Yeah, to finally meet you. And I knew your name and I knew about We Are LA Tech. And I was like, here she is in the flesh. I was fangirling. Stop. I mean, yes. Stop. And I'm then so when you were like, let's <laughs> hang out, let's talk more. Oh my God. Yes. Stop. I mean, all my community dreams coming true. Oh um, yeah, it was, that was a really special environment. And I loved the structure or un- non structure of an unconference yeah, yeah. because I feel like, it let a lot of people there really, really focus on what was top of mind for them, bring yeah. their best selves to the conversations, didn't feel and like anyone needed to feel like they were performing yeah. or anything, like maybe with a traditional conference of some sort. Yeah. So that was that was special. It meant a lot to me. And yes, it did kick off, you know, our our friendship. So I'm super grateful for that. Uh, and since then, you have been a big part of community efforts here in L.A., which have now formalized in the group Community Pros of Los Angeles. I'm so thrilled to be a co-founder of that group uh, and my other two co-founders and I. We wanted to create a place where community pros could come together and whether you work as a community pro online or just in person, but part of your job is to bring people together. Then this is a space. This is a group for you. We also realized that living in LA, we need to make it worth the while if people are going to come from across town for these things. So we've structured them as co-working days where you could come for either the entire day or even just a piece of the day if that works better. You can ju- jump in for the lunch or the happy hour if that suits you more. Again, come for the en- entire day. And we've been doing a couple of those since the beginning of this year. And really, really happy with how the group has started. I'm feeling a lot closer and connected to local community pros in LA. And if anyone's listening to this, you know, please look us up online and on Instagram. And we hope you can join us for a future co-working day. Yeah, we'll include the link in the show notes too. I've gone to community pro events. And it's really, it's a good reminder that when you're creating community, you really want to make sure a lot of people are like, well, I want everyone, but it's actually the more valuable your community is, the more like-minded people are. Mm -hmm. So knowing that I could go to Jenny's events and it's, professionals in the community building space. If somebody comes to a We Are LA Tech event, it's people in tech working in Los Angeles tech. And We Are LA Tech is not just a founders club. It's just people working in tech. And so you want to understand who are the people that make up your community. Don't try to be, in my opinion, don't be everything to everyone. Because then you'll yeah. be nothing to, to what is it, nothing to no one or something like that? I know what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. And that's really crucial and critical to any sort of group or community you are creating. When you have your customer base and you're creating a community for your customer base, how do you guide a company to start to formulate the ethos of their community? It's a long process. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's part of the phases I mentioned, the approach that I take. First, we spend time in the research phase. And this is where I teach my clients how to go out and research the idea of this community and maybe validate it. But also, I've had situations before where the research basically said people didn't want a community. That's yeah. That was not the path that they should go down. I spend time with them on, on that part. That is so enlightening. A lot of times, the steps involved in the research phase are things that a brand hasn't encountered or or done and implemented in a long time, right? So even just going through those steps that I'm recommending, there's one-on-one interviews I recommend with their customer base. There are general surveys that go out. There's some research into similar or competing communities, right? And a lot of times that whole phase will benefit not just the community efforts, but will benefit other areas of their business as well. Then when you start on the strategic planning phase, 
I always encourage them to re-reference and utilize what they learned from the research phase into the second phase. And that's when I kind of start to see a lot about the internal culture. And we have sessions dedicated on the best ways to reflect the culture of the company. Should the community have a name? Is there Are there some fun inside yeah. jokes amongst your client base? And if there aren't, like, don't force any of those things. I've actually seen those things come to fruition once a community started and then some inside community jokes were made and so forth. But um, yeah, I get most of my insight into that, like when we get into that second phase, and this can be a really beautiful thing. It can also open my eyes to realizing, oh, wow, um, certain brands don't know who they are (laughs) on the inside. 100%. And you said something really clutch, which is sometimes you discover that they don't need the software at all, that the the customers don't want a community. Sometimes when I'm talking about community with someone else, I'll be like, the community is in the Zoom chat, actually. Like, that's where people experience their vibe of community when you do the Zoom meetings. It's in the chat. It doesn't have to be somewhere else. So I think it's so um, – I agree with you. It's so important to do the research and not try to force something in a way where it's not what people – the whole point of community is to serve people. So if you're trying to force someone to engage, why aren't they posting? How do I get them to post? Like or something. It's like Jenny gave me the st- sticker when she got here, and I, I love it because I empathize with it so much. And it says uh, community rage, which is something that we think about. What are some of the difficult pain points us as community builders – experience and how do we how do we get past those pain points i could tell you right now it's over delivery and exhaustion (laughs) Mm -hmm. and burnout yeah high expectations often put on one person's shoulders Mm. even for some of the biggest brands out there yeah they're like one person can do all of the community stuff yeah yeah there is a misconception that this field of community is kind of a new area and actually Digital communities have been around for decades. I think it's only become mainstream uh, Mm. and that more people are aware of it. But I also think that as more businesses invest in it and become aware of it, they will see over time the benefits of dedicating a number of people to these efforts. And I just think we're too young in that right now. Um, But the businesses that are, I see them thriving. I see their communities thriving. Not everyone's at those points yet to be able to make the investment in community like they They are. So I think that's one of the big challenges. And I feel for all of the community teams of one out there. They're the VP of community. They're the director. They're the manager, the operations person, events person, the moderator, all in one. And we need to do better in our field to serve those people, give them an outlet, and also be able to prove to the businesses that one person usually cannot shoulder all of this. And that's not fair. Yeah. And- what they're doing right now is there's the people who do this who have a love for it, and that's why they're in it, and that's why they're giving it that all. It it worries me about the very skilled community professionals that are out there. Will they stay in this field if they get burnt out, they get too exhausted? We might lose them to another yeah. area. They might uh, pivot and go to another field, another I career I slept path. for a year once. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, I can't do this anymore. I think a lot of people make the mistake of thinking a community builder is replacement for a marketing manager or a social media manager. And these are completely different roles. I heard this term this morning. I actually don't remember the term exactly, but it was something like dark analytics or oh. or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, what's that? And it's the analytics that ha- happen that you don't know that are happening, like in the DMs, 
you know, direct messages, in the event meeting, in the podcast listener, in the like there's mm. all these analytics that are helping your company succeed that can't be tracked and the marketing managers and executives are discarding those because they're not trackable when they're having a huge impact on your company and it actually they're having the most effective impact because it's some of those personal relationships. And so I think it's really interesting to remember that the job and the 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 proof of performance from a traditional marketing campaign is entirely different than how to evaluate a successful community building campaign. I love that. And dark analytics, I've never heard of it referred to that, but it makes so much sense. What immediately comes to mind when you said that was sentiment. Even mm-hmm. even tracking or analyzing sentiment. Now, there are some platforms that say they have the capability to do that today. And from what I've seen, it is never truly mm-hmm. accurate. So then what needs to happen to properly track it? Manually, someone has to go in and actually mark, uh, classify things certain. Yes. That is not feasible. That is no. not sustainable. So all these brands and all these communities, you know, are mostly wandering around, wondering what the overall sentiment is. And without doing the right surveying or getting qualitative feedback, they don't know. Yeah. yeah. So do how do we really know if these communities are effective or, or working or not? It's still, it's tough. It's tough to prove. It's going to continue to be tough to prove because it's never just going to be a very obvious, like I said quick earlier, quick fix to community. And it's also not going to be easy to understand with a snap. It, it, it Has this worked or has this not? It's always yeah. going to be a deeper conversation than that. Who do you look up to when you're looking to evolve your skills and really plug into the advanced in the no things? Who, who is it that you follow that you plug into? About community or just in general? Well, we could do in general too, but about community. But now I'm curious in general. <laughs> um, okay. Well, starting with community, Carrie Melissa Jones. Ooh, she don't has, know her. She has been around a long time in this. She's one of the original founders of uh, CMX, and she's also written a fantastic book on this. And I mean, she just has a wonderful company dedicated towards helping community builders. And I really love her approach. I think everything she does is done with mindfulness and intentionality. I know you've heard me say those things yeah. a few times, but those are important to me, even in the working world. Totally. And, and tell us what CMX is as well. Uh, yes. Uh, CMX is a membership organization, a community for community people. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a couple different ones of those out there now. Uh, and CMX has been really popular, I'd say, on the West Coast for a number of years and uh, once a year has an annual conference that brings together community professionals. So always great to see my friends, colleagues, and clients at that. And I believe the sponsor of your last community meetup, they have community resource too. What was that? That's called the Community Roundtable, another amazing membership organization for community professionals based out of the Boston area. And they were essential and the early days of my community journey when I was at Career Builder, they allowed me to be the local Chicago host for some of their lunches and happy hours nice. and so forth. And in return, I got a complimentary membership, So, which was so critical at that time for me and developing as a community yeah. professional yeah. to have access to the research that they did and be part of their membership during those years. I can really credit that with elevating me 
and taking me to the next level to be able to get the job at Lithium Technologies right. to become a consultant in this area. Yeah, so there's those are some great organizations. Another uh, favorite of mine that is new and already holds a very special place in my heart is called the Community Community. <laughs> <laughs> it is on Slack. It is for senior community professionals, and you do have to apply to be part of it and prove that you've got the number of years of experience that they're right. looking for in this area. Uh, and again, the individuals running that I just think are doing an incredible job at being mindful and being inclusive and respectful and the things they're offering their membership I'm not finding in other communities yet the value and level of the conversations happening there are also it's it's clear that it's senior people and it's really nice to see some of those more intermediate conversations about some, some some deeper subjects and is this last one the community community is that one free or is it paid it's free right now. I keep telling uh, one uh, Nikki, one of the or the founder, yeah, like, she should pay. Uh, she, should she should consider should it for yeah. the future, yeah. 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 Uh, because, well, you know, I will say yes. this. Yes, I definitely should get paid for your time. Yeah. So, community <laughs> builders, I think, as a culture of people, we're empathetic, typically, extremely heart driven. Have a really, I think, culturally, have a really hard time charging because we want to just love so much and give all of ourselves away to make everybody else happy. And we usually forget that we need to be okay too when it should be the primary thing because if we're not okay, we can't serve. But we typically, as a, as a community of people, forget that. Um, would you agree or disagree? Absolutely. Yeah. There's an empathetic side to community builders that I haven't seen observed with other fields in this way. Yeah. So again, I think it's because people doing this have a level of passion and they believed in the connectedness side of it. Um, it's such a fascinating field. It's really neat to see how it's evolving and I can't wait to see where it is 10 years from now. Who's an LA Tech talent or a company you've come across lately who's really impressed you? Am I allowed to say you? <laughs> I kind of just want to say you to everything. Are you serious though? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is that, do you I mean, mean to say other you. things? <laughs> you don't have to, but I'm just always yeah. so like stunned. I, all right. Someone <laughs> who inspires me, first off, the whole We Are LA Tech organization, you know, this foundational place where people can come to, to get acquainted with LA or other tech professionals or both. And then look at the person at the helm of that. Look at the energy, the charisma, the thoughtfulness that you bring to every Thank event. You. Uh, yeah, I, I hold you on this pedestal along with the organization and everything you've accomplished. You know what it is? It's that you and I know each other. So you know all my meh. <laughs> so I'm like, how could she say that? She knows how like blah, I am sometimes. <laughs> Even with all that, that's what rounds you out. It makes you a beautiful person. Oh, I appreciate you. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Set, okay. <laughs> Another LA company. Me, yeah. Another LA or company. person, Yeah. Well, the reason a client isn't coming to mind is because my clients are actually global and an enterprise tech world. But someone local who does come to mind, you introduced me to, Jerome from Blank Spaces. Ah, yes. Yeah. And Love Jerome. the reason he comes to mind, and I apologize, his last name is Blank. I'm blanking Ch- on I right think now. it's Chang. I'm blanking too. I don't but, know But, you know, he yeah. not only has all these wonderful locations in Blank Spaces, but the very purpose of these Blank Spaces spots is for co-working and collaboration and connection with others and dedicating a space for people to innovate and create and do their thing. And I just think it's so neat. He's responsible for these spaces of innovation, essentially. Uh, and he also 
is wonderful with our group, Community Pros of LA, and allowing us to come and meet at his spaces. So I'm thankful to him for that. He's well plugged into the LA Tech community from what I can see. And so, yeah, so thank you for the introduction. Uh, it's an inspiration to see him in running his businesses and his and how wonderful his staff is as well, and to also utilize those places. I was a member of Blank Spaces back when Blank Spaces had its first place in Hollywood before like LA Tech even had an LA Tech. It was so cool, the influence that Jerome and Blank Spaces have had on the community, bringing people together. I believe Blank Spaces is where I first started moderating panels. And I can't remember. It's definitely where I practiced giving workshops when I was teaching myself how to be a speaker. Yeah, Jerome Blank Spaces, I second that. Amazing, amazing person, amazing company. And heads up, Blank Spaces has some of the best co-working rates in LA. I'm not just like literally, it's wow. You're absolutely right yeah. on that. Yes, and they've made it very available and convenient and affordable for our group to come together at their spaces as well. Yeah, you know? they're like all over Los Angeles, Santa Monica, like tons of them. So definitely check it out. If someone who wants to get immersed into LA tech landed in LAX today, what would you recommend that they do in order to immerse themselves into the tech community? If they don't join We Are LA Tech <laughs> and make that a priority, <laughs> then they might as well get back on a plane and go wherever You're they so came cute. from. I actually agree, but you know. <laughs> yes. Um, is there a, an activity that is a must that you think? You know, we had um, Will Stringer on the podcast and I'm from L.A., born and raised, and I can't believe it, but Will is doing this hike, the Santa Monica something-something hike. I hadn't even heard of it. And I'm like, I am the worst local ever. I had him send me the link because I want to do it. So this is also for me to find out what I need to be doing in L.A. Well, chances are you have done what I'm about to suggest. But for people who are new to L.A., if you are looking for a place of inspiration – go to El Matador State Beach in Malibu during sunset. Ooh. And, well, first off, sunset is just one of my favorite times yeah, of the day, right? Yeah, 100%. So second, that particular beach, I remember being completely stunned the first time I saw it because I thought I had been transported to Thailand. I, I had to look around and say, are we still in California? What? Wow. It is a stunning, beautiful beach. And a lot of people know that. It can be very busy. Uh, and that's why it's also on tons of commercials and TV shows and movies. I'm always seeing something being filmed or uh, photoed down down on that beach. But get yourself a little cozy spot on the sand, watch the sunset, and put your feet in the water. Uh, that, to me, is just so rejuvenating. You're reminding me that I haven't been in a little while. I need to yeah. get out there. And I recommend that to anyone. If you've got a work issue you're struggling with, go out there and take that in uh, during sunset on El Matador. And even if you're just visiting LA, get out there. It's worth checking out. Even if 100%. you can't go during sunset, a very beautiful beach, something that I think is not hyped as much as it should be for this area. And fave restaurant. Oh my goodness. This is hard, but I'm going to go with one of the first things that came to mind. Sushi Sasabune on Wilshire. What? The best omakase I've ever had. What? I need mm. to go. Mm. It's just, How do I you mean, say my it mouth again? is watery. I believe it's sushi sasabune or, sasabune or it could be the other way around, sasabune sushi. I think I know what you're It's like on the right-hand side if you're going to the beach. It's yep. like in the corner lot. Yeah. Well, not to be confused with another 
place that has Sasabuni in the title, which is in Pacific Palisades. No, no, I'm talking okay. about Santa Monica. Okay. Yeah. Uh, are, are you talking about Santa Monica? Is it Santa Monica? Or like West LA? I thought it was Wilshire. It's West LA. But yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, okay. now I'm not sure what street it is on, but either Wilshire or Santa Monica I'm eating Boulevard. eating all of them. Yes. <laughs> but it is, yes, I would say West LA. Yeah. And it is fantastic. Sit at the sushi bar. Watch them do their art, their what? work. It is phenomenal. Uh, so many bites are just Like, is that what I'm doing tonight? Is that what's happening? No, I hope we not, should I go. can't join you. And no, you know, what, we can you wait till I can join you? Yes. Can mm. we like? Yes, please. Yeah. Let's, like, like the Let's second we it. stop recording, we need to figure that out. Sh- yeah. Should we run it out for like a weird LA tech uh, experience thing. Stop. <laughs> oh my gosh, my brain is like but going. We can wish, right? <laughs> yes, love it. Any must attend events in LA? Not tech related, but if you get a chance to catch. Uh, an event with outstanding in the field when they come through LA about once a year. Oh, outstanding in the field. What's that? Outstanding in the field is a group that organizes farm to table dinners in very unique locations. Sometimes it can be out in the middle of uh, a farm or uh, on a ranch in the mountains or on a beach side. There was one this past weekend at Waddle's farm in Hollywood. I unfortunately couldn't go because I had COVID, but I've been to other events of theirs before and it is such a unique experience and it attracts people from all types of areas. When I've gone to their events before and a couple years ago, I went to one on the Malibu pier. Yeah. First off, Visually, the aesthetic is gorgeous because everyone is seated at this long white table. Everyone. It's just one long interconnected table. They always showcase uh, local chefs, local beers or wineries. Oh, yeah. And uh, and again, the food is made there on site and brought right to the long table. It's fantastic. And... I remember meeting people, I remember meeting tech professionals and entertainment professionals yeah. and just people from all kinds of different backgrounds coming yeah. together for this. And that's why I love their events so much. And so really bummed I had to miss this last one, but I'll wait for the next time they come around LA. But they do events all over the world. That's actually. so cool. So maybe one day I'll make a destination out of it and going to one of their events in another that's city. Awesome. What's your favorite software? <laughs> I don't know if I have a favorite software. I have a love-hate relationship with software. No, like it could be a mobile to... app or a website. It could be anything. Oh, hold on. Yeah. Can I look at my phone? Yes. I feel like there's something I I mean, this is important. Well, first off, <gasps> I, have a... I have a new one that I found. Tell, please. Okay, ready? Yes. Actually, you may dig this. All right. Johanna. Have you heard of it? No. It's a, it's a virtual assistant for your life. I was like, there's no way. And it's so far, it's been so cool. For example, I felt like I was paying too much in phone insurance, right? And so I was like, there's got to be other options these days. Like, there's so many things. Maybe one of my credit cards has phone insurance. I don't know. Task to Johanna. What are all the phone insurance options? They're like, so this card has this, that card has that, and here are all your other options. Another one, um, travel plans. I'm speaking at a conference and I wanted to do something like outside of that conference area. So I was like, hey, can you put together, can you figure out where I rent the car, where I stay, where I do this? Okay, that. I want to make sure I prioritize my mom and like take my mom do something like maybe once a month or something. And I was like, can you give me some ideas? Mm -hmm. You know, also not to be uh, too insider hacky. I was like, I think I want to do some maybe We Are Like Tech walks. So I asked them to research different walks around Los Angeles. Neat. See, like, like, and I just, in the app, they have this clean app and I just submit whatever comes to my mind and it's unlimited. That's amazing. Yeah, it's unlimited, nice people and like they just 
do the work for me. Are you going to include a link to that? In the Johanna. It's a, yeah, I'll include it. It's like Y-O-H-A-N-N-A. We need to link swap after. I got to show mm-hmm. you, Johanna. You got to show me this farm to table. And mm. we got to have a dinner date at... Sasabune. Yeah. Yes. There's a lot of stuff happening. Okay, yep. your turn. All right. You made me think of two okay. apps that I'm absolutely in love with only in the last year here. Tell the me. first is called the Time Shifter app. What? And I utilize this for the first time back in June when I went over to Prague for a tech conference I was mm-hmm. emceeing. Yeah. And it was fantastic because you input your travel information and your yeah. dates and even your flight time. So it yeah. knows when you're leaving and arriving and so forth. And it was able to give me a plan for the days leading up to me leaving LA, as well as the days leading up to me leaving Prague, coming back to LA Ooh. to get on the schedule and reduce jet lag. And you Ooh. know what? It, it was Almost perfect for me going over there. Uh, Unfortunately, my schedule was a little chaotic when I was there. And so I wasn't able to stick to the app as much as it recommended for my time, you know, leaving Prague, coming back to LA. But who cares about that? We can see. Yeah, no, no. But like, I adjusted quicker to European time than I ever have in my life. Thanks to that. I'm fully crediting that app for that. And so therefore I was in it in Prague and I was so grateful too, because I could start taking in everything and doing all the fun stuff. And so time shifter app. Now, second one, you're going to love this based on what we've been talking today. It's called how we feel. Yeah. You know that one? No. Okay. So twice a day, it prompts me to check in on what emotion I'm feeling. And What's also really neat is there's there's that side of it, which, of course, I'm trying to get a better handle of my emotions and when I'm feeling what exactly. But then you can also look at it from, I guess, a business aspect. Yeah. You can look at things in terms of charts and trending and look for times, you know, when you might be like lower or, or unpleasant emotions yeah. and like more high energy here yeah. and there. And, so, and I just I find that fascinating. It's been helping me get to know my emotional range a yeah. lot more. I love. Oh, my gosh. Where can people connect with you? My website is literally jenny.community. It's perfect. <laughs> Just type it into any browser. Perfect. Jenny, thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast. To connect and collaborate with more amazing people in the LA Tech community, remember go to wearelatech.com slash community. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Say hello on social at We Are LA Tech on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you, talk to you, all the things in the next episode. Bye. Bye, and thank you, We Are LA Tech. This is Jenny Weigel of Jenny.Community Consulting Services. Enterprise tech companies will come to me when they're ready to create their first digital customer community. I'm based in Pacific Palisades, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.